Hey guys, and welcome to Money Talks News, the podcast. This episode, we're talking about cheating on your partner with money. You know a lot of people commit financial infidelity. They do things like keeping purchases secret, hiding debts, lying about their income, draining money from their savings, lending money without consent. It happens all the time, and it's all bad, right? Even worse, financial infidelity can be a sign of other relationship issues. So, how do you avoid this stuff? Or if you're already doing it, how do you stop? That's what we're going to find out today. I'm Stacy Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Miranda, hello. Hi, Stacy. I am super excited for this, if only because I know I never have to worry about financial infidelity again. Well, I don't know, because you seem like the kind of financial cheating type of a woman, but I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find it. We'll find out more as we go through the podcast. Producing and novice, producer and novice investor is Aaron Freeman, also joining us today. Hello, Aaron. I'm just worried about financial aging. Where did I put that cash? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. You hit, you hit my nail on the head right there. This yeah. week, we have a special guest, Tara Jackson, also known as Madam Money. Hello, Tara. Hey there. Hey, everybody. Now, Tara's going to help us learn how to set better money goals with our partners so we can stop all this financial fooling around. Before we start, remember this, pod, remember this podcast is not financial advice, so make sure you do your own research and consult your own experts before acting on anything that you may learn here. Let's dive in. And actually, Tara, let me pull something up here that I, I got a, a quote today. This is from a professor of family studies and human services at, the, at Kansas State University. And here's what she said. Arguments about money are by far the top predictor of divorce. Oh. It's not children, it's not sex, in-laws or anything else, it's money for both men and women. Does that ring true to you, Tara? Yeah, yeah, one of the, one of the number one or the top three causes okay. of divorce is money misunderstandings, um, dollar disagreements, you know, financial fights, budget battles. So if you're arguing about money, yeah, maybe an underlying issue about other things, but it's the money thing. You can cheat on each other, forgive each other, but if you mess up with the money, that's kind of the, the demise. I think I'm going to start calling you Madam Alliteration, because <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good using all that stuff you just did. So how, how does this stuff happen? What, well, actually, let's back up a step. Make sure everybody understands exactly what we're talking about here. Financial infidelity, what does it mean? Well, financial infidelity is the manner of lying to your spouse about money. I wrote a book called Financial Fornication. And so I talk about how we, um, you know, we treat our money just like personal relationships. Unfortunately, we may be financially promiscuous with credit cards, multiple. I mean, don't judge me. That was me. And then we end up with financial STDs, substantially tremendous debt, that we need cures, right? Because we need to understand how to date our banks, but we also need to understand with the book that I wrote, The Four Financial Languages, is how to communicate about money when someone speaks a different dialect. And usually the financial infidelity comes when you have people, two people that have two different financial languages. That's why savers and spenders argue about money. That's why savers and investors argue about money is because they understand, they feel, and they communicate differently about money. And when that happens, you have that other person, usually the spender, that will feel like, well, I can't spend because the saver doesn't want me to spend, but I'm still going to spend because you're not going to tell me what to do with my money, but I'm going to hide it and keep it away from them. And that's how the infidelity comes. 
Now, I, I've got some stats here that uh, Miranda was kind enough to furnish me for this podcast. Keeping purchases secret says 31% of people do that. Uh, I, I say we're talking about people in couples, obviously, because you wouldn't have to be hiding stuff from yourself. But so keeping purchases secret, 31%. Hiding debts or accounts, 28.7%. Lying about income, 22%, almost 23%, actually. Draining money from savings, 10%. And lending money without consent, 7%. So yeah. now uh, there are four of us on the podcast, two women, two men. Aaron and I are both married. Uh, now, Terry, never, have you have never been married. No, so but I've, I've been in a couple of relationships that felt like marriage. So okay, okay, cool. Okay, so you've been in long-term <laughs> relationships. That. So, so let's show of hands, who here has committed any of these different infractions? Oh, let's I see am. some hands. Mm. I am. Oh come on! Oh yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Aaron's, yeah. Aaron's it, wife is is behind him somewhere. Yeah. So she's in probably previous, hearing in previous this. marriages. No, in previous Hi, marriages. Hi, okay. Yeah. 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 Now it's. Uh, so we, we've now, all as done long this. as I spend money on Sonia, right. everything works out. <laughs> so, so for those of you who are not watching us and just hearing us, all four of us raised our hands. We, we've all done this at one time or another. I would like to say, though, to be honest with you, now this is my third marriage. I was practicing the first couple of times. And I don't think I've done these things now. And, and you know, actually, this, this brings up a, a point that I can make, too, um, to Tara. The, um, with the reason I think that I would avoid these, because I'm self-actualized, but also because my wife makes good money and I make good money. So there's really no reason. I mean, you know, she buys whatever she wants and we don't, we don't commingle our assets. So there's, it's really hard for me to commit these crimes because there they really aren't crimes in, in my family. Is, yeah. is that normal? I mean, you would think that the more money pressure there was, the more likely people would be to commit these offenses. Is that true? It's usually true when they when they are like you said your money is communal when you combine money and now you you both have the responsibility you know what I'm saying it's almost like having a child if we have a child together we're both responsible for that child so I may do things with that child and may not want the dad to know what I'm doing right right but if you have two separate kids and I have my kid he has his kid you know what he does with this child is what he does with his child what I do with my child is what I do with my child even though we may be together okay so. You know, you're at a position where you're mature enough to handle the fact that we're together, but we don't have to combine our assets right now as long as we take care of the home that we're in. There's a lot of people that say, oh, we're married. We need to combine everything. And but then you have two different financial languages. You argue about money and then someone's hiding something financially from them because one, they don't want to start an argument. They don't want to get mad. They don't want to have a discussion. They don't want to hear no. Or whatever. So it depends on the maturity level in the relationship. The older we are, the the more we're okay with being together but being separate. Like I'm at a stage in my life, if I get married, I'm okay with having my own room and he has his own room. And when we come together, we come together and then he can snore in his room and I can snore in my room. I'm really <laughs> okay with that. That's pretty funny. I, I think you may have been visiting our house before. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, when, when we're having the, oh by the way let's do a sidebar there's this is a big argument that's been going on forever in the personal finance world do we combine assets or do we not a lot of people uh, a lot of personal finance gurus and i'm using air quotes um <laughs> say that they should people should combine their assets and then some I've, people say i've read they many shouldn't. articles that say people who do combine their or, uh, money actually live happier lives yes okay but here's what i say bs <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily true. I, I, I think, now, my opinion is that it depends on who you are. 
Uh-huh. You know, like we got together yeah. later in life, my wife and I. Uh, much later in my life, she's much younger than me. But nonetheless, you know, and, and she has her own income, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think there are situations where it makes sense to do that. But to doom a marriage to failure because you don't have a, you don't have a combined checking account, I, I believe is just bulk. I, I don't think it's true at all. Well, opinions? I, yeah, I think it goes back to what you're saying. Like, once again, we always talk about how personal finance is personal. And so, so yeah, so you want to make sure, like, okay, how does this work? And is it working for us? Does it work for, you know, because what works for one couple may not work for another. Um, and I know that uh, there are a lot of things like um, what what Tara was talking about. My my kind of financial infidelity was probably more along the lines of when my ex husband was like, "I want to buy this expensive thing. Um, how how long will it take us to like save the money that we need to buy this expensive thing?" And I would always tell him it would take longer than it was supposed to because I didn't want to buy the expensive thing. So. He, I, if it would really only take two or three months to save up the money for the really expensive thing, I'd be like, oh, it's going to be like four or five months. And then I would hope that he'd forget about wanting to buy the expensive thing um, by the time that came around. And so so that's um, and I think um, but I think. So you the, treated him like a child, basically, is what you're saying. Kind of. <laughs> that's OK. That's how my wife treats me, too. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. money came from her. It wasn't, this is what I'm going to do, is what can we do? So she she was the warden of the wealth. She was yeah. the warden of the money. And that's usually when she's scared. When when savers, especially savers, are scared because the spender is going to spend all the money, they become very controlling of it. Or they will have accounts that the up party doesn't know. That's where that lying or hiding accounts comes yeah. from. Savers are really good at that because they'll stash cash in account that everybody else doesn't know, and they're always broke. So if you ask them, hey, do you have this amount of money? No, I have no money. But they're probably sitting on $2 million in another account that nobody knows about. <laughs> and so, and, uh, I, and I never did hide accounts because okay. I was very, like, open about, like, okay, so, you know, this is my retirement account. This is my investment account. This is your retirement account. Here's your HSA. Like, we were very, uh, like, I was very open about that. I just kind of fudged a little on how long it would take to do things. But I think it does depend. Like, you know, like you said, I think that communication, though, is key for the most part. Like... Um, being able to talk about it and feel safe talking about it. How, how do you yeah, respond I can, to I this see, argument? Go ahead, go ahead, Aaron. I'm sorry. No, I can see how uh, how how uh, money and relationships, the money can become weaponized too. I know uh-huh. well, I know couples where only one party does all the all the financing, and the other and the other one doesn't know anything about it, and right. seemingly doesn't care. And I know I know another couple where the guy just randomly buys vehicles and brings them home. And without any, you know, thought about, you know, the overall household income. And I got to imagine that would probably make the other party really angry and go, well, fine, if you're going to do that, I'm going to do that too. You know, next thing you know, you're on a downward spiral of debt. Um, so yeah, I was assuming those... happens a lot with two spenders that will uh-huh. retaliate because I'm a spender. So we'll retaliate. We will retaliate with money. Um, that makes sense. Like, you're going to buy that, then I'm going to buy that. And that becomes very dangerous. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to, I think this is from Dave Ramsey, but I'm not sure. Uh, so I, I don't want to criticize him without knowing, without knowing for sure. But I think it's, I think Dave Ramsey says, if you don't combine your income, then you can never have a happy marriage. I, I think I've read that. And I, I, I vehemently think that that is false. I, I However, think that's, yes. Yeah, I, I think it is. But some people might say, if you need to keep your finances separate, then you must be looking for an exit. You must be afraid the relationship. I mean, you're not all in, basically, is what I'm trying to say. I've heard that, yeah. Uh, And I don't think that's necessarily true either. I have a question then. So 
if there are if there is a couple and they don't sleep in the same room, they may have different rooms, different bedrooms or whatever, whatever. Does that doom the relationship because they don't have they don't sleep in the same bedroom? It's funny you said that, and, and obviously the answer you're looking for is no, it doesn't doom their I, relationship. I don't know. I'm just looking for a perspective. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't think, well, you know, I, I get up in the middle of the night every night. I'm 67 years old. My wife is 44. Um, so I get up in the middle of the night for obvious reasons, and then I can't go back to sleep. And I'm also partially deaf. So I get up in the middle of the night, and I go to the other room, and I watch TV until I fall asleep again. So now, does that mean my relationship's not strong? It does not mean that because my relationship is awesome. Uh, so I, I think it's the kind of thing people don't want to admit to, you know, that yeah. they that they won't sleep in separate rooms. But I think it's very common, and I don't well, think it damages here's the relationship. The point is that what works for some people may not work for me. It's just like the definition of wealth and prosperity, right? I'm not going to allow Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, anybody to tell me what my wealth is going to be or what my um, what my prosperity is, because prosperity and success financially or financial freedom, whatever, may, is going to look different than everyone else. Mine just may need to be access. Mine may, may need to be freedom. And I need this amount of money to do that. Okay, it, it may, I may still have debt, but I can pay the debt. It depends on who you are and who you're married to. Um, you, it, there are some people that it's not that I don't trust you. I just need my own, my separate money. We can combine household um, finances together. But you have yours, I have mine. It's not that I'm hiding it from you. You know that I have mine and you have yours. But if as long as the, the lines of communication are open and people understand that we have outside accounts there, that's fine. You know, a lot of people equate having outside accounts, like having having like a what outside marriage or whatever. Yeah, it's like an affair. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Uh. Because if that is what is going to make them happy, having an open relationship, that's on them. That's not for me. But it's not for me to say that you're wrong. Yeah. Well said, Tara. That's why yeah. we have you here, because you're a genius. Now, <laughs> I, and I, I certainly agree that uh, we don't need to listen to Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman, but I do think it's important that people listen and do whatever we say. I mean, those guys don't know. Those guys don't, <laughs> don't know We know everything, up. though. Well, let's, let's be clear. Let's be clear well, about we that. We know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, let me, um, you know, but you guys, let me take a really quick break here. Uh, and then we're going to come back. And I want to I want to talk about if 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 Tara's up for it. How do we find financial deceit when it's in front of us? What are some of the signs? Let, let me do a quick commercial break, and then we're going to uh, to explore that. Let me tell you about our sponsor. It's Telus, the first savings app designed for home buyers by real estate experts. With Telus, your savings are in more in one day than up to three weeks in a traditional bank savings account. What's more, there's no stock or crypto exposure, no fees. And you can withdraw any time. Visit moneytalksnews.com forward slash tell us to sign up. That's T-E-L-L-U-S. We'll also have links in our show notes. Use the code MONEYTALK and get a 5.5% APY for seven days with a $125 minimum deposit. Okay, we're back. And Tara, if it's okay, I, I just sprung this on you. We didn't talk about this in advance. Are there some signs that financial infidelity are taking place? And if so, what are they? Um, if all of a sudden bank statements, you can't find bank statements or credit card statements, um, the person gets to them first. Um, you normally, they come in and you see them, but you don't find them. Um, yeah. If there are, um, you know, check the trash. Um, sometimes they'll bring it in, hide it, and put it in trash and put it in the dumpster or whatever. Um, 
you know, the clothing, clothing, all of a sudden someone's wearing something new. Oh, I had this forever. No, you didn't. I've seen your closet. You know what I'm saying? If you ask them a question, they're very invasive about it. Well, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. We'll talk about it later or whatever. So the same signs, I always tell people the same signs that you have a feeling that they're cheating on you and you kind of feel the signs, it's kind of the same thing you're going to feel it makes total financially. Sense. Yeah, you, you're just gonna feel. You have that gut feeling. They're gonna act differently. They're gonna be evasive about things, and so what they would normally be open to or wouldn't be a problem to have a conversation. Now all of a sudden it's a problem. Now, now, what are some of the best ways to hide money? The Aaron's Aaron's, Aaron's, Aaron's wife is a CPA, and so he's right, trying to figure exactly. out how to get around this. <laughs> so it's listen, make, no, no. make the money where they don't know you're making the money, and have that money go to some other account they don't know about. So, I'm saying, so, now, you do, you so you're facilitating me. financial now, deception. Now. I'm just saying it's the obvious. If you want to really <laughs> do it, I'm not telling you to. Now, what happens? What happens? With the, and it's the same thing, maybe with with real with sexual infidelity, whatever. You, you find, let's say, you find a statement in the trash, you know, of, of, a, of a, a credit card you didn't know your spouse had, and you confront them with it, right? You go, "What, what the hell is this?" And they well, go, "How dare you violate my privacy? What are you doing going through the trash looking for something to start a fight on? What do you? How do you respond to that?" I mean, that's, that's marriage counseling needs to happen right there because I'm not a marriage counselor, nor do I play one on TV. But there, that's a, that is a symptom of something a little bit is greater than just money. You know what I'm saying? It, now, if they're doing that behind their back and they're using money to do that, there is something that's greater than the money. But one, how dare I do that? Well, your debt is going to compromise our financial stability of this household. And so if you want to have a credit card, you want to do it and you can pay it, at least let me be aware of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it's like me dating. It's like me dating and I'm dating a guy. He doesn't necessarily want to get married. He, you know, whatever. He still wants to date around, but he still wants to see me. My thing is tell me that you're still dating and let me make the decision to continue to date you. But don't do it behind my back because now I can't trust you with anything. No, that makes total sense. Now, okay, so I yeah. guess the, I just want to go ahead, Miranda. Yeah, Miranda. I just want to. Yeah, sorry, I just want to. I just want to make something clear. So, what we're talking about here is we are talking about financial infidelity in a relationship that doesn't involve abuse. So, I want to make sure we're making that clear because there are some cases where if you are in an abusive relationship and you need to flee, then yeah, yeah having that that oh, hidden yeah, money I is very important. That. Yeah, so having that hidden money um, and being able to set that aside and get the help and the resources you need if you are in an abusive relationship. Um, that's kind of what we're talking about here because like a lot of the time, um, these are things that even in a healthy relationship with money that we don't really think about or that we might do without really thinking about it. But if you are in an abusive relationship, um, the rules are different. It's so, absolutely different. Yeah, and, and I, we wanna and make I, sure people understand that. And I teach, I teach people, whether you're male or female, of how to get an escape establish an escape strategy um, uh -huh. when you're in an abusive relationship because if you're in an abusive relationship they're controlling the money uh -huh. and they know everything so you have to move differently in order to establish your escape strategy so you know, thank can, you for bringing that up I can throw yeah. in some advice here too but many 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 years ago uh, so long ago that I don't mind saying it now I was going to get divorced uh, this is 30 something years ago and I took $15,000 cash and I buried it in my backyard um, 
And so the, the warning I'm going to tell you is this. Do not do that. Because I lived in Arizona at the time, and it was very dry. And I put it in a can. I buried it in the backyard. It's, I mean, it doesn't rain for you know months and months. Well, guess what? One year later, that money was so moldy, I couldn't hardly use it. I bought a car with it, and which I still own today. And uh, and, the, and the guy was like, oh, my God, this stuff stinks. So if you're going to hide money, don't bury it in your yard. <laughs> but try not to hide money at all. Okay, now, let, let's talk about this with a little time we have left. What do we do? What do we do when we when we encounter this? I mean, you know, you have to have a you have to have a way out. If you if you know sexual infidelity, right? I mean, you you got you're confronted with a huge problem here. So let's say that you're confronted with this problem of financial infidelity. Which what what are the what steps should we take? We don't just walk out the door and you know get a divorce, right? We try to work it out. Yeah. What what do we do? I mean, one you seek help. You, it's just like if you have any type of infidelity, you want to go to a professional. I always recommend that you go to a marriage counselor or pastor that specializes in marriage counseling to talk it out because it may be something that you can have a conversation, talk it out, and mend it. And I never, I always say, I never want, you know, money's a tool and it should, can, it should never have the power to destroy what God put together. So at least make an effort to talk about it if both parties are willing to do it. Some, you know, one party may be willing to do it, the other party may not be, but at least seek help. The second one is if the person, if you, this person that you're with is committing the financial infidelity and you don't think that this is going to work out for you, then you need to start establishing your exit plan. You need to start putting money aside. You need to start separating your assets in the best way that you can, especially the assets you want to keep. You may want to start refinancing those assets into an individual account if you have the capacity to do it. Um, or you're going to have to start letting some things go. So, you know, if you know that person may be petty, because a lot of us are very petty financially. Um, they call me Petty LaBelle, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and so if you know that they're petty, just you, you might have to let some things go. You might have to give up the fact that you, you're going to have to let the house go, but prepare to leave. So if you're really serious about leaving, there are some things that you're going to have to do to uh, separate yourself from the other person financially, understanding you know how that other person is. Um, so that's very important, but I would say yield first to t trying to talk it out with someone that's a professional. Yeah, so do you I really have think you have, to have, you have to go to a professional at every single instance? Let, let's say that I go out and I buy a motorcycle, okay, uh, with money that I had kept aside. But I still love you. We're still in a relationship. I just screwed up. You know, when you find out because my motorcycle's in the driveway. <laughs> so, right. So then you come to me and you say, Stacey, what the hell? What, what are you doing? You bought you bought a motorcycle without even consulting me. And then I say, well, you know, I knew you'd say no, Tara. And, you know, I just really wanted a motorcycle. And I've waited my whole life for one. And I didn't want to, you know, I, I knew you'd love it once you saw it. What, what do you do then? I mean, I'm not saying that every situation requires, requires personally. I mean, it depends on the severity of the situation. If this is going on, you did it one time and I forgive you. Don't do that. Don't do that crap no more, right? But if you do it and you perpetually do it and you do it and you do it and I see that there's no end to it, that no matter what I tell you, how bad you make me feel, how concerned I am about our financial situation and you keep perpetually doing it, something is wrong because you're not hearing me or respecting me enough to stop. And so do I want to continue in that type of relationship? Because, of course, what you're doing there is indicative usually of other areas of our relationship. It may not just be money. Are you hearing me when I say that I don't like something, but you continue to do it anyway? 
that's a whole different thing. But if it's a one and done or yeah, it's your money, but do, you know, let me know because we're sharing insurance. That's going to increase our insurance prices. Let me at least know. Um, and if I do say no, what, you know what I mean? So yeah, what, uh, what about, what if I say, well, I can afford, what about this situation? Because we, we've all, we agree that the, the more acute, the, the situation can become more acute with the less money you have. But let's say we both right. have plenty of money. Like me, like me and my wife, you know, if huh. I if I buy a motorcycle, um, she might say, "Well, you should have asked me first. I, is it, these are rules that we should establish beforehand, right? No matter how much money we have, if I'm going to spend over a thousand dollars, I should let you know first. Is that is that the type of thing you would recommend? I mean, that it depends. I mean, that's relative because if we have a lot of money, it could be ten thousand. If you do anything over right. ten thousand, you do anything over a hundred. It's very relative to your situation. But her concern may not be financial. Her concern is." I don't want you to buy a freaking motorcycle because you're you're sixty something, and what if you get in an accident? Maybe she's concerned about your livelihood. Maybe she's concerned that's going to you know where am I going to put my car now? Where are we going to put everything? Space. It could be oh now our insurance is going to skyrocket, and so now we got to pay for insurance. You know what I'm saying? So that's my whole thing is if you want to do it, let's talk about it. If okay. I don't agree with it, let's talk about why I don't agree with it because it may be more than money. By the way, I could tell, I could tell from the expression on your face that there is no scenario in which you would have approved of me getting a motorcycle. <laughs> I mean, literally, as soon as I said not motorcycle, you were like, nope. Unless, not unless you gave me one. So, <laughs> just, just you know, I already have a Harley in the driveway, so I already have a motorcycle. I don't need your approval, Tara. And, All right. And I, and I don't think it would be forthcoming either if did I if I did need it. So, what what other what other things can we do if we're we're almost out of time? But what other things can we do to, to get just actually just being open and honest is really the key to every successful relationship and every facet of that relationship, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me like this uh, the conversation you guys are having is, is very important. Just yeah, on a first relationship, on a first date or or a third date, and then, but now you guys are getting to the weeds of like what happens if somebody's been letting this go for ten years now into the marriage and they're really concerned. Is that something you'd get into the first three dates, Aaron or Tara or Miranda? Is okay. that some, how how deep into money would you get in the first few dates? I I don't know that if it's three dates, I don't know that I want to be with you long enough to have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you you saying me personally? <laughs> Any anybody, you know, it's only three dates. I, I don't know. So. so you you wouldn't be doing that. You wouldn't be talking about, are you a spender or are you a saver in the first three dates? I probably would because I wrote the book. I, I wrote the book, <laughs> Language. It's always a talking piece for me. Um, but, you know, we would probably have to establish that this relationship is going to move in a deeper relationship. We're going to, you know, talk towards marriage. Well, if we're going to do that, and there are several things that we, we need to talk about health issues. What kind of health issues do we have? you know money issues we have family issues because now we're combining our lives so now it is appropriate but if i'm just going on one or two or three dates those are still superficial for me um even six months is still a little superficial for me because we're still putting our best foot forward and i honestly don't know what he's doing when he's not with me and right. he doesn't know what i'm doing when i'm not with him it was when we decide to make the commitment or something stronger is when I would have those conversations. That makes, makes total sense. What about you, Miranda? What's the, uh, what, you're a dater. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, right. I don't date that much anymore. I, actually I was going to say, I'm assuming I, you're a dater. I don't know why I, I said that. A, I, don't know I have arrangements. It. No, I think one of the things that I've had. <laughs> Entanglements. Uh, she has I have a. I have situationships and arrangements. <laughs> um, yes. That's so, awesome. But I think, so. so for me, a lot of it, though, is more about, so I have, 
a couple different people that I regularly travel with. And um, and so it's not really like the same thing as a romantic relationship. But once we decide we're going to do something together, like go on a trip, right? Go, um, you know, uh, go on a trip together or, or do something like that. That's when we have to start talking about, okay, um, who's taking care of what thing? Um, who, you know, how do we split? How do we split our costs? How do we split the costs of different activities that maybe one person wants to do more than another? Um, how do we do that? And how do we make that work? And I think once you start, as Tara said, once you start doing things together, that's when you need to start saying, okay, um, what are what are our boundaries? What are our shared values? What are we working for together? And then uh, what are the aspects that we can keep separate? So I actually have um, somebody here in town that we do a lot of things uh, together that people would consider like couples things, uh, you know, where like if there's an event I need to go to and I and I want to bring a plus one or like if his family is doing something and he wants to bring somebody. So we have a lot of those kinds of things. And so we actually have these discussions like we have separate households like he has his apartment. I have mine. We're not interested in moving in together. Um, But we have these discussions about like, okay, um, you know, I'm bringing you. You're my guest. So I'm going to pay for your ticket because I am bringing you and you are my guest. And then he's the same way, like, okay, I've invited you to do this thing. Um, I will cover the costs for this thing that I invited you to do. And so, but we're very upfront about this and like, and and kind of pushing past that taboo where we don't want to talk about money is huge because we still kind of have that in our society that we don't want to openly talk about money and who's covering what and, and everything else. I would like for you to bring this poor bastard onto our po- podcast one day. I'd like to talk to him. Poor bastard. <laughs> Whatever. He is He is just fine. Right. Aaron, you're good. What I know him is even awesomer. That's <laughs> awesome. Aaron, you, were you no, going to say something before com- we're done? Out of this conversation, is it fair to say the, the best way to align goals, if you guys are, are, are across and not aligned, is to try to find out your goals and try to sure. align those goals? Because I was a spender and I became a saver you know, through through my wife. And a lot of that was aligning goals and the conversations were about that. You know, Hey, what do you want to do? You know, this is what I'd like to do. Do you want to do this? You know, well, this is how, what's, what's going to take to get there, you know? Oh. And to keep us from, you know, strangling each other, we, we just are careful about how we spend. If we want to buy something, we just come to each other about, you know, Hey, I'd like to get this. What are you thinking? And, and, uh, and stuff like that. So, so Aaron would... is doing everything that I teach in my book for financial languages. So he's, he's a, um, he's fiscally bilingual. Oh, kudos to you. Wow, that's, you that's a nice are, label. Are a, you are a spender that has learned how to speak and respects the language of saving. And so you can speak savings to your wife even when you want to spend something when it serves you. Um, yeah. And so you made that part of your, you know, your dialect, a part of your life, which is awesome. Good for you, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, it was through a series of conversations. I mean, it wasn't easy in the beginning, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I like spending money was part of your character, you know. When I got married, but, my uh, wife said, girls just want to have fun. Are you in or out? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I'm in, baby. I'm in, baby. I'm, I'm still in 10 years later. Okay, now, uh, yeah, Tara, summarize our topic today. I'm sorry I kept pulling us off topic. Summarize our topic today. La- last thoughts on what to do with financial infidelity, how to avoid it, and, and what to do if it happens. Well, how to avoid it, or even if you're in it, is I tell people is to have a money, have frequent money date. And money date is not um, just sitting at the table talking about your 
your bills and all of that is actually going out, having fun, do dinner and a movie. If you are married or whatever, you have physical, you know, sexual relationships or you just want to cuddle or whatever. The reason why, and I talk about chakras and people don't understand the importance of chakras, but it opens you up because now when you're intimate with each other or you, you're romantic with each other, you're more compromising and open to hearing one another, right? So you want to get in there and you want to talk about your financial goals. That's what Aaron said is we want to find out if our goals are in line. And if there are goals that are aligned, what do we need to do to get to those goals? All of those goals are going to cost money. We want to buy a house. We want to travel. We want to do something. They're all going to cost money. What is it that we both can do as a couple to reach those goals together? Because now you're fighting for a common goal. And so it, this, the spender may say, you know, I can probably put some more money aside um, so that we can reach this because spenders will save money to spend just so long as you know. If we have a reason to do it, we don't do this um, saving for a rainy day. It's rainy outside. Can I spend some money? Yeah. You know, but if you have that on a regular basis and talk about different things and it could be quarterly that you have a money date that they end, you're going to talk about what we want to do financially to move to the next level and you do it. And I give you examples. I give you topics to talk about in the book, the four financial languages so that you can have that. Even when you're dating, you can start doing this when you're dating and then continue it. Awesome. And at the end of the night, sprinkle a whole bunch of Benjamins right on the bed sheets. There you go. Especially on a first date. That works. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on what the date is, but okay. I don't know about Benjamins, but uh, some, yeah. some, some currency will work. Okay, Start we by do bringing me cheese. <laughs> what? And there's that. Bringing you what? Cheese. Cheese. That's what I thought you said. I thought I must must have misunderstood you. There's a meme from an old like courtship book that's like you may fascinate a woman with a piece of cheese, and I do love cheese. That that actually that actually works on Sonia. I I, I don't know you super well, Miranda, but I'd probably lead with wine. (laughs) Also true. Yes, bring me some wine (laughs) and cheese, and you're like you're three quarters of the way there. (laughs) There for you. Okay, girls Uh, and uh, and men. do me one favor real quick, Tara. Tell me the name of your book and I'll make sure everybody gets it before I close the show. Absolutely. The first book, my freshman book, was Financial Fornication. Um, and my second book is The Four Financial Languages, the number four financial languages, how to communicate successfully about money. Cool. So I, you I would can imagine if I was, Amazon or you can go to madamoney.com. If I went to Google and put in financial fornication, I bet you I'd get some really interesting search results too. You, You would get me on first page. I can tell you that. Let's hope. Yeah, awesome. and, we'll have, and we'll have links to the books and everything in yeah, the yeah. show notes. So you'll be able to to go find her books in the show notes. Well, I was thinking we wouldn't be able to fill a podcast. Of course, we're over as usual. <laughs> uh, but we are out of time, folks. But we are never out of topic. Dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in, our show, in our info in our show notes, as Miranda just said. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T dot com. And of course, you want to visit Tara at her website, madammoney.com, madammoney.com. Got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest? Tell us about it. You can email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one final thing, if you like what we do, then do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. Takes you two seconds. Really helps us, though. So if you like us, show us and subscribe. And tell your friends, too. Tara, thanks so much for being with us today. We love having you. It's your second time. We hope it won't be the last. Uh, I am Stacy Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquette. 
I'm Aaron Freeman. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. We'll see you right here next time.